0: Welcome to the Connect Podcast by Portera Technologies, I'm your host, Walid Siraj. Corporate leaders call upon management consultants for a number of reasons. Whether the objective is to help clients enter markets and launch products, implement digital experiences that enhance customer engagement, or identify cost-saving opportunities. The intent behind the investment in consultants is typically to increase revenue, lower costs, or both. In the United States alone, over $2 billion are spent on consulting activities each year. We all know a bit about consulting. We know the names of the big firms, maybe we know a few people who are in consulting, but when it comes to the actual work they do, I don't think we understand it as well as we do, say, accounting or law. It's really only until you hire the right people that you're able to understand the impact this work can have on your business or products. To better understand the world of consultancy and consultancy itself, We are joined today by Barish Kavakli. Barish is the Managing Director of Proterra Technologies an IT Consultancy with offices in Amsterdam, London, Istanbul and Singapore. Barish, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for the invitation.
0: Barish, let's start a little broad here because I know consultancy and consulting is a word that gets thrown around a lot. So if you could start us off by just... Explaining what is consultancy?
1: Usually I use an analogy to explain things simply to people. And uh, here I want to use the analogy of uh, a sailboat. I've been a sail racer myself uh, since 25 years, I think. I love sailing. And uh, sometimes on a sail race, you're just sailing downwind or towards wind. Doesn't matter. And at a certain po- moment, you see that your opposition, your opponents... I actually are taking on you. Basically, they are passing you or they are basically sailing to get, uh, f- faster than you. And at that moment, attention starts to begin in the team because you see your opponents are moving faster than you and you're looking, you're trying to pull all the ropes that you have and try to match the speed of the boat that is uh, just passing by you. That's a moment of crisis. That's a moment of nothing to n- not knowing what to do. And at that moment, uh, of course, you don't wish it, but if somebody jumps on your boat, of course, it would be illegal and you would be disqualified. But if, you, if somebody jumps on your boat and analyzes the situation without having the bias, without having the emotions, without having the bond that you have with your team and with the boat, just objectively analyzing the situation and understanding what is wrong, maybe sometimes testing and learning as well, and then proving to you on how it would work and how you would pass your opponent. That is actually what consulting is.
0: Great. So you, you mentioned there's essentially two sides to this coin, right? One is where you kind of know that your sailboat is not going the right direction, and sometimes it is going the right direction and you can maybe go faster. So maybe explain a little bit about that, the difference between your business is kind of in need of dire help and the impact of your work in that area. And the fact that sometimes you are doing well, but you can do better and the role you play over there.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, the example you gave is perfect, Walid. Uh, what happens is basically sometimes you're sailing downwind, another boat is sailing downwind, a little bit further away on the course from you, and you see that he's going faster. And uh, at the end of the analysis, you can you can find out in some cases that it's basically because the wind is gusting there heavier than where you are. So which means that you need to alter your course. You need to alter your course either to join the other guy, but what will happen until you join the other guy? Maybe he will have gone further, so maybe joining the other guy is not the right option. Maybe you need to jibe to the other side of the course to catch another gust that is coming in that, and that will help you to reach the following buoy to get uh, faster than the other guy. So that is exactly where the innovation needs to happen because going and adapting some stuff to make sure that you get faster is one thing and the other one is you need to pivot from what you're doing and you need to, to go towards or run towards another direction to be able to basically leapfrog your competition and that's what we call innovation to be able to uh, activate this kind of innovation uh, we've seen some of the big enterprises um, not being able to act fast and give the necessary independence to the innovation teams because they are looking for something new they are looking for something breakthrough but they are trying to do it with the old ways of working and it doesn't happen that way Um, doesn't happen that way.
0: So, keeping with the analogy of this the sailing analogy, which you've brought up, which I think makes a lot of sense, um, what does the process look like? How does the consultant or you come in and figure out what the right direction is, um, what the right where the wind is coming from, and that process of figuring out the solution you're going to provide to your partners and your clients?
1: First of all, time is crucial in this kind of uh, endeavors, let's call it, because um, first of all, if you keep too much time analyzing some stuff, everything is in motion. So your analysis that you have done two months ago is wrong already. So if you take two months to analyze a topic, then you're already too late. That's why it's quite crucial to have a short time span in which you analyze Innovate and excel. This is, these are the three steps that we take. And analysis should be really quickly done, of course thoroughly, but uh, quickly done and shared with the stakeholders from different angles so that we can have an holistic view on the business uh, together at the different levels, various levels. And then we need to come with some proposals uh, to innovate, to tech, to jibe, basically, And then we need to prove the value of those quickly. That is a key step. You need to implement some systems maybe, you need to implement some technology to be able to prove that your innovation is going to pay off. We do not go to big enterprises and uh, make 30 slides, um, PowerPoint presentations to ask for millions of euros. What we do is... We start with the good, with the best in mind, and prove the value in each and every step of the way. That is our approach. That's how we succeed.
0: Yep. And you also mentioned, which is something I saw, which was quite interesting, is that you start with the business outcome, then you go for the solution, yep. and then you try to implement that across people, processes, and platform. And I think something that is otherwise happening is companies first have the solution, the the platform they're going to use, and then they try to fit it into the, the jigsaw puzzle. So elaborate on that. How does that work?
1: Yes, um, definitely. Sometimes what happens is what we see in the companies is uh, there are a lot of really innovative solutions or let me call it platforms just for the sake of Uh, factuality of the speech and uh, semantics they see some platforms on about salesforce optimization or crm or something and then they say okay this is the new one everybody is using it and some of our actually colleagues which in in the same industry they work with us they also try to sell the platform start by selling the platform And they go in, they say, hey, this platform is really big. These, these, these companies are using it. You should need to use it because you're doing customer relationship management. That's why you need to buy this platform. And then they start with the licensing fee and then try to implement it. Um, the, the, The challenge here is, if you do not know, again, a sailing analogy, but this sentence, this phrase is not from me. I've read it somewhere. If you do not know where to go as a captain, none of the winds will help you. It's not about the wind, it's about where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And here the important thing is we need to make sure that the business outcome to be reached is specified clearly at the beginning of the endeavor, the KPIs, the targets, that will define, that will measure, that will evaluate whether that business outcome is reached needs to be clearly defined. Of course, on the way, you need to be flexible on changing stuff, but you need to see the impact on the solution. Once the business outcome is defined, then you can define the solution. And the solution consists of three things. We call it three Ps. And those three Ps are people, process, platform. Usually, platforms in the market are sold as solutions. You see blah, blah, marketing solutions, blah, 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 CRM solutions. Actually, they are not solutions. They are just platforms. Your implementation partner will technologically implement that solution, integrate that platform, integrate with different um, platforms that you might have. And then there needs to be another piece of work, which is, clarifying the processes, making sure that the capabilities are uh, with the people that are going to use the platform, uh, the KPIs are should be totally set. Only then you can call it an implementation of the solution.
0: Right. Um, you mentioned emotions in the beginning, um, that it seems to be very important within your partnerships that when you come in you don't have that emotional bond with with the work and the decisions you're making are not impacted by that. What's the importance of having emotion in business and also not having emotions in business? And how does that make a difference? I don't think... I'm, I'm at the end, uh, a Mediterranean guy,
1: so uh, I don't think a life without emotions is possible. And I don't think business without emotion is possible as well. Uh, but we need to be careful about our biases what i see in even in some of the so-called scientific studies about health about food about nutrition what happens is people take one gut feeling or one thing to prove and they look for evidences to prove it yeah and in business life what we see is especially we call it hippo Uh, especially highly paid person's opinion, um, can come from a gut feeling. And that is where we are having our fight against. Again, gut feeling is fine because gut feeling is shaped through the experience that you have. But we need to investigate that gut feeling. We need to make sure objectively whether that gut feeling actually resonates with uh, today's life. And that's what we do. We do not neglect gut feelings. Again, that's valuable information that has, been, that has accumulated over years and we need to embrace it. But we need to embrace it carefully. Yep. And uh, that is what we really uh, try to remove, which is the emotion bias. Uh, and we need to be factual to make sure that we succeed.
0: Right. Sometimes clients don't know what it is they actually want. Um, they know maybe where they're trying to go, maybe they have a vision of where they want to be. How do you help someone who does not know A to Z, this is what I want, this is how it's going to be done, and this is what the outcome is going to be?
1: In today's world, nobody can know where they want to go. Or let me put it in another way. Even if you know where you want to go, you need to, you need to be flexible in changing direction. Uh, everybody knows this example I guess Uh, the post-its that 3M has found actually it's a failed innovation Uh, it was they wanted to have a sticking adhesive uh, um, basically basically they they needed to find an adhesive and it didn't work out and then they recognized that actually it can be used as post-its because it doesn't harm the surface it is strong enough to hold a paper uh, one piece of paper so what they have done is they have taken a failed innovation and they have converted to it to a yeah, global product. It's, we call it by their name, by their brand name. So the word I want to use is all of us needs to be, and our ideas needs to be anti-fragile. What I mean is uh, if we, again, include our emotions about our ideas, if the guy that's at 3M or the team at 3M uh, had put their emotions and they said, okay, this is a failed innovation. We shouldn't talk about it. We shouldn't even, we should write off the costs and we should just dissolve the team and we should go back to our homes and think of another innovation. They wouldn't have succeeded. So definitely we need to be unfragile fragile in our ideas, in our direction of uh, actually path and uh, in our emotions.
0: Yeah, touching on the the anti-fragile word, I think something that comes to mind is, uh, one of my first few days, um, you said something to me, which was, Waleed, never assume. Never assume that I am angry with you, that I am happy with you, that I am this with you or that with you. If there is something, I will tell you or ask. And I think that's a very important thing for someone coming in new, someone you meet even with your existing client partnerships, the work you're doing with them because a lot of times we think we messed up or they're feeling a certain way when we don't know this. So in regards to your existing partnerships, the clients you work with, the people you work with, I'm sure it's not always the case that you gave them exactly what they wanted. You might think that I have not been able to do this, but what does he feel about this? Maybe the client thinks you are unhappy with him or you think they're unhappy with you. How do you work around this anti-fragile and also assumptions? Because it's very easy to assume and it's very easy to also be offended. How do you work with that? So definitely,
1: uh, I'll give you one example which you've heard from me yesterday when I was first founding a digital production house 10 years ago, uh, I called up a friend of mine. She recently bought a, bought a couch uh, for her home. It was really lovely, but then it broke. So I called her, I said, can you please give me the number where you bought it? And then she said, are you crazy, British? Uh The place where, uh, you don't, don't you know that the couch was broken after a couple of days? And I said, I know. And that's why I want to buy it from them. Because any couch can be broken in a couple of days. And I loved the way they handled it. So what happened is the couch broke. And then uh, she called her that company. That company took the couch without any money. They put a replacement for uh, some period of time. And then they took the replacement couch and they brought the actual one, uh, which is more robust. At the end, that is our feeling. You know, we always think with a can-do mindset. We always try to answer the client's questions with, okay, for example, they say, within one month we need to go live. Many of the companies would approach that to this question like, hey, we cannot do that. What we do is we say, okay, if we need to do that, then this would this would mean that we need to sacrifice from quality which we need to then increase this means that we will sacrifice from efficiency so per unit of work you will pay more at the end but if you want us to deliver it in one want, this is a possibility with this sacrifice so we just try to communicate in each and every step of the way openly with our relationships with our relations, it's not only on our partners, it's on our suppliers as well. It's inside our company as well. If I ask you, hey, Walid, can you please complete this by next week, Thursday, for example, you need to tell me that, uh, yes, I can do that, but then I will have to work lunchtime as well on Monday. Would you like me to work on lunchtime? Or you can tell me, yes, I can do that, but then I will not be able to manage the other podcast. Would you like me to prioritize this work instead of this? That is always open communication. And if we can achieve that level of open communication, then I don't see any hard feelings, I don't see any issues, I don't see any problems that cannot be solved. Because even the biggest companies, even the biggest suppliers have problems. And they lack communication as well.
0: Yeah. I think we talk about a lot of these um, key things like communication open-mindedness and it kind of leads me towards the word of relationship that the partnerships or let's say these things we have with our clients the work we do it's not sales it's not we we can call it a lot of things but at the end of the day it's relationship so tell us a little bit about what a relationship with a client looks like in this in this uh, line of work and how do you manage it? How do you nurture it? How do you grow it?
1: Tough question. Um,
0: but you are totally right.
1: Uh, I think in insurance industry, there was a v- sentence I loved a couple of years ago, maybe 20 years ago I heard. And uh, the motto was, insurance is the only thing in the, on the world that you cannot buy it when you need it. That is that's a perfect explanation. And I want to transform it a little bit to our work way of work, especially on consultancy side. A little bit on technology, when we deliver technology outcomes, it's more crystal clear, more tangible. The statement of work is clear, so you know what you're buying, this service, this output, this outcome. But on consulting, it's a little bit more gray. So um, tangible outcomes are not always there because we cannot commit and uh, we will definitely invest time and money in that piece of work and we need to have a trust relationship we need to know that whatever happens the client will be happy with choosing us by choosing us and also we need to ensure that the client is satisfied and happy with the output that we have and that's that is that is a big trust actually we have in between us, and uh, that's why we call our partnerships basically. What we say is, our talking to our partners, they need to see the risks that by that they are buying, and also the possible outcomes that they are buying. Because nobody wants to stay still, stand still. Everybody wants to move, and not every move can bring. Total value, but even if you know that that move will not bring you, uh, if you learn that that move will not bring you value, then in itself it is a value. Okay. So uh, people didn't know that smoking cigarettes would be uh, unhealthy for them. Just imagine in 1950s, if we knew, if somebody came up to the world coming from 2000s and uh, told them, "Hey guys." You start smoking, there's something in the industry called uh, yeah, smoking industry. You shouldn't do that. It's bad for your health. Here are the proof. Yeah. Just imagine of knowing that truth up in the beginning, just at the beginning of this 50 years. Just imagine how valuable it would be for the whole world to know that. And sometimes we supply that to our clients as well. What we do is we go in, Do our work, the proof of value proves that that solution is not working. But in itself, that's a proof of value. Do you always know the solutions? No, definitely no. Uh, Definitely no. Uh, We are not, we try to be unbiased, so we do not have partnerships with uh, big platforms because when I or one of our consultants go to a company and says hey you need to work with this uh, platform supplier you need to purchase this tool with this license fee we want to make sure that our clients uh, are knowledgeable that we are not partners with them or we are partners with them so we want to remove the biased opinion there Uh, and again the solution is a combination of multiple multiple things and that's why we uh, yeah Define the solution based on the uh, business outcome that needs to be achieved.
0: Okay. You've worked with a lot of different companies. You've met a lot of different people. You've solved a lot of different business problems. You've been in this field for a few years, quite a while. What's the one lesson that your line of work has taught you that you think everyone should learn at one point in their life?
1: One line of lesson. Never go into consultancy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, kidding, of course. I love my job. And uh, today in a meeting, I was telling the um, the client was telling us, "Hey, uh, yeah, this is quite challenging. I know, but we need this, etc." And I was telling her, uh, "If I didn't like challenge, then I wouldn't be in this line of business, uh, because that's really important for us." Um, we have multiple context switches throughout the day. We are in multiple industries, multiple enterprises with their own issues, with their own way of working, with their own platforms and everything. So we need to make sure that we can just switch on another industry view, or we can bring some insights from other clients um, to different industries to be able to help them. And one lesson that I've learned is, uh, maybe it will sound as cliche, but one lesson that I've learned is, there's nothing like impossible. Uh, converting impossible to I am possible is the one thing that I would suggest for every person in itself, but for each project. When I say I, I don't mean myself. What I mean is when I say I, the project is possible. There's only some sacrifices you need to do uh, to be able to achieve that outcome.
0: Yeah. I think in many ways you are regarded as problem solvers. You solve a lot of problems for different organizations. Sometimes it's not really a problem. Sometimes you're helping them exceed, grow, get better at what they're currently doing. Most of the time you're focusing on other people. What's the biggest challenge in your role as a problem solver you face? The main challenge, I think, is the dream
1: selling and also try to sell what you have in your hand. I'm just holding a sparkling water bottle here. If I am just have a sparkling water in my hand, I would come to you and I wouldn't ask you what kind of water you want. I would tell you this sparkling water is great, it's good, it has minerals in it, it's more rich in minerals, it will help your gut's uh, health better, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know anything else, and I don't know what actually your problem is. Maybe you are too, trying to lose weight, maybe you are trying to, I don't know, game mate, I don't know. And if I have this bottle in my hand... I can tell you that this bottle will save your life, it will make you great, it will make you feel great, it will make you more healthy, blah, blah, blah. But even though some of them might be real or can come true, that doesn't mean that it serves your purpose. That's why I think that is the most difficult part. We come to a lot of clients, uh, for example, data departments, Most of them are talking about, yes, we will have machine intelligence here, we will run an AI there, we will have multiple AI things here, etc. That's lovely, that's lovely. But is the organization mature enough to run on these uh, platforms? You're buying, you're trying to buy a Ferrari for an 18-year-old. He will crash. First of all, yesterday I was trying to play on PlayStation Uh, Formula 1 auto and I just changed Formula 1 race and I just changed the setting from amateur to standard driving and I was not able to drive that car one lap which means that that solution in that case that car and that one lap of turning that is the experience that I wanted to get that is the thing that I thought that would serve my relaxation throughout the night but actually... That changing that setting, putting to AI, uh, removing AI and uh, setting, uh, increasing the difficulty of the game, instead of relaxing me, it's got out the competitive barish inside me. Because then my wife said, let's go to bed. And I said, no, I will play one more. I will play one more. I will play one more. I ended up playing on, uh, one and a half hour to just complete one lap without crashing. So... That is the biggest challenge that we have. We have a lot of companies that are sold a lot of expensive investments, which are not working, and
0: we are there to support them. Um, thanks so much for coming on the show, Burish. It was great Thank having you. you. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you, Walid. That was Burish Kavakli, managing director at Porter Technologies. Thanks a lot for listening. We hope you enjoyed. This episode was made in collaboration with Portara Connect. It was edited by Subturkshi Chakraborty. Thank you for joining us. I'm Walid Siraj.